friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 30th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Serena Williams's remarkable tennis career has been extended at least one more match after she won Monday night at the U.S. Open in New York. The AP's Graham Agars reports from New York. Serena Williams has lived to fight another day at the US Open. The 40-year-old six-time former champion lighting up the Arthur Ashe Stadium with an impressive hard-hitting first-round victory over 27-year-old Duncan Kovanich. Williams showed some signs of nerves early in the match. I think when I walked out, the, um, the reception was really overwhelming. Um, it, was, it was loud and it was... It was, um, I could feel it in my chest, and it was a really good feeling. But in the end, showed some very impressive touch for somebody who's only played five matches all year, closing out the victory 6-3, 6-3, taking an hour and 40 minutes. Williams says she will be evolving rather than retiring at the end of the championship. Her next hurdle in New York, second-seeded Estonian Annette Kontavit. At this point, honestly... Uh... Everything is a bonus for me, you know, I feel. And that, um, I mean, I think every opponent is very difficult. And I've seen that over the summer, and the next one is even more difficult. So it's good that I was able to, you know, get this under my belt. And I don't know. I'm just not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about um, just this moment. And I think it's good for me just to live in the moment now. I'm Graham Agar. Thanks, Graham. These Serena fans were delighted to see her win Monday night. It's the total package. It's the little girl with beads who grew up to be the phenomenal woman that she is. She's somebody my daughter can look up to and say, if she did it, I can do it too. And we thank you, Serena, for everything. She has paved the way for the future of tennis for black and brown girls and other every little girl to say, I can do this too. She overcame tremendous obstacles to play a sport that is not a sport that's played in, in the urban areas. So tennis is in great hands because of her. Serena said you could do it, anybody can do it. So we're here, I'm here. After 33 years of being a waitress and never, ever having a weekend off, I took a whole weekend off this week just to come see her because she's done that much for me. You've been listening to U.S. Open tennis fans in New York, clearly inspired by American star Serena Williams. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In African women's netball, Malawi and Zimbabwe recently qualified for next year's World Cup in Cape Town, South Africa. Now, you might say it's World Cup deja vu for Malawi, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Those three countries 
also participated at the 2019 Netball World Cup in England. Michael Cariotti tells us more from Harare, Zimbabwe. Southern Africa's domination of African netball came to the fore after the southern part of the continent took three of the four places reserved for Africa at the 2023 World Cup Finals. That point was emphasized after Malawi and Zimbabwe joined South Africa on the journey to the finals with the other African qualifier being Uganda from East Africa. Coincidentally, the three Southern African teams also represented Africa at the last World Cup finals in Liverpool, England, an indication of the gap that exists between them and the rest of the continent. The manner in which these Southern African teams have controlled netball is similar to the way North and West African teams have also dominated football by qualifying regularly to represent Africa at the World Cup Finals. While North Africans Morocco and Tunisia, as well as West Africans Cameroon, Ghana and Senegal, are heading to Qatar 2022, Southern Africa's Malawi, South Africa and Zimbabwe are heading to Durban for Netball 2023. Sports reporter Admire Mwimeke, who is based in the United Kingdom, comments that this shows that sporting talent is spread to all the four parts of the continent and not in one or two regions. Uh, you see, everywhere, there's something big happening in African sports. In North Africa, football is at best. In East Africa, athletics is no match. In West Africa, basketball rules. Netball runs in Southern Africa. That shows that sports talent is everywhere in Africa. What sometimes lacks are the financial resources, I think, to help it grow. Muimeke's assessment also comes at a time Ethiopians and Kenyans are also dominating middle and long distance running with gold medals galore making their way to Africa. The focus, though, is on netball, where the balance of power appears to be confined to the Southern African region. History also tells us that Namibia and Zambia, also from Southern Africa, have on numerous occasions also qualified to represent Africa at the World Cup Finals when those from North, West, East and Central Africa were at home. That said, the 16-team World Cup Finals themselves presents an opportunity for Africa to prove a point, especially when playing at home. Netball enthusiast Lorraine Maketa is straight to the point that South Africa will be Africa's strongest bet for a medal and the World Cup title. South Africa is Africa's best bet. They have a solid all-round team. After finishing fourth, the last time they can go one or two better and win the trophy. Apart from Malawi, South Africa, Uganda and Zimbabwe, the other teams that have already qualified for the Netball World Cup are Australia, New Zealand, England, Jamaica, Tonga and Fiji, while six slots are still to be decided. However, netball analyst Matthias Kufandirimbwa is worried about the Zimbabwe gems and advises them to prepare fully for the job that awaits them at the World Cup Finals. The gems 
should prepare themselves fully by being in camp longer and playing assess- assessment matches with teams ranked higher in the world. They still have a lot of corrections to do. As Africa looks up to several World Cup finals, which are coming in football, netball, rugby and cricket, it would be good for an African team or teams to reach at least the final. For the Sony side of sports, this is Michael Kariati in Harare, Zimbabwe. Thanks, Michael. Follow the Sony side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. On the next Straight Talk Africa, join me, Vincent McCory, as we look at the conflict in Ethiopia's Tigray region, where one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world is ongoing. Fighting has erupted again between Ethiopian government forces and the Tigray People's Liberation Front. We'll take an in-depth look at the Tigray conflict on the next Straight Talk Africa, Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. The Council of Southern Africa Football Associations, or CASAFA, will hold its annual Women's Championship in South Africa. Banyana Banyana of South Africa, the host team, is bidding for a record-extending eighth CASAFA title. The South African ladies are in Group A at the 12-team tournament, along with Angola, Mauritius, and Mozambique. Group B has Zambia, Namibia, Lesotho, and Eswatini. And Group C has Botswana, Malawi, Tanzania, and Comoros. The 2022 Kasafa Women's Championship will kick off August 31st and go through September 11th. To find out about Zambia's preparations... Iron Mike Mbonye called Lusaka, where he reached the media officer of the Copper Queens, Mike Mubanga. So the Copper Queens will, will be taking part um, at this year's 2022 Kosafa Women's Championship. Obviously, it's a, it's an annual event, and uh, for this year, there are a total of 12 teams that are participating at, uh, at this uh, tournament. Uh, the Copper Queens are in Group B, alongside Lesotho, Eswatini, as well as Namibia. So it's being hosted by South Africa and will run from uh, August 31 to September 11 in uh, Nelson Mandela Bay. So it promises to be an exciting tournament in that uh, there are a number of teams that are, that are vying for gold. Uh, obviously, last year, a guest team won the tournament. And now this year, um, obviously, regional rivalry will be will be will be rebirthed. So Zambia as well is 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 going to be fully involved at this tournament. And like I said, uh, they're in Group B and will begin the the tournament with uh, an opening fixture against Namibia on September first. South Africa has named a team that excludes the women's Afcon winning players. What will the Zambian team look like? So the aim for for this tournament is is obviously 
uh, wanting to do better than the Copa Queens did last year. Uh, last year the team was was third, finished bronze medal uh, in the bronze medal bracket after beating South Africa on penalties. So this year is, is obviously the target is to is to go further and uh, get to the finals and obviously win the tournament because obviously when a team gets to the final then uh, the target is to win it. So our aim this year is to is to go better than we did last year where we got to third place and to get to this year's tournament with an aim of winning it. Are preparations for FIFA Women's World Cup scheduled for Australia and New Zealand still on course? Well, obviously in um, in answering your two questions regarding preparations for next year's FIFA Women's World Cup as well as South Africa naming uh, a team excluding WAFCON winning players, I think for us, this tournament serves as part of preparations for the World Cup because uh, it will obviously test the players' character the, the, and also it will test the, the players' readiness for, for the biggest tournament. So preparations for the World Cup starts now and uh, this tournament will obviously help gauge the team's uh, preparedness ahead of the, the tournament. So our team is obviously a blend of those that were at the WAFCON in Morocco as well as the exciting young ones that play in the local league. So that combination is obviously going to bring about um, results in terms of checking which players are still in, in good form to continue preparing for the for the World Cup. So most of the players that were, were at the WAFCON are going to the COSAFA excluding some of um, the foreign-based players that obviously have gone back to their bases, notable ones being uh, the goalkeeper Hezo Nari, as well as uh, the WAFCON captain Grace Chanda, who is out um, in Kazakhstan with uh, with a club. So most of the players are, are making a return to, 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 to this Kosafa having played last year, and it's part of preparations for for the for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Obviously, there will be more uh, preparations after this tournament. There will be a number of um, uh, of camping programs and a number of matches that are probably going to be lined up. So for now, the start is this tournament, the COSAFA, which serves as preparations for the World Cup. That's Mike Mubanga, the media officer of Zambia's national women's football team. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lusaka, Zambia. Like the Copper Queens of Zambia and Banyana Banyana of South Africa, the Atlas Lionesses of Morocco and the Super Falcons of Nigeria have qualified for the 2023 Women's World Cup. The Super Falcons will travel to the United States next month for two friendly international matches against the U.S. women's national soccer team. The Nigerian women will play the USA on September 3rd in Kansas City, Kansas, and then three days later here in Washington. Nigeria's American coach, Randy Waldrum, realizes the two friendly matches against the USA are excellent preparation for the Women's World Cup. 
The USA has lifted the Women's World Cup trophy four times. And the American women have also won four Olympic gold medals in football. Sporty greetings. This is Randy Waldrum, coach of the Super Falcons of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thanks. Thanks, coach. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. English Premier League football. Chelsea is visiting Southampton this Tuesday evening in an early season match. The Blues of Chelsea have two wins, one loss and one draw and seven points. The Saints of Southampton, meanwhile, have one win, one draw and two losses and four points. New Chelsea man Raheem Sterling is hoping to continue his recent productivity on the pitch. Sterling scored both of Chelsea's goals Saturday in the team's 2-1 victory over Leicester City. VOA's Gwen Uten looks back on Sterling's high-profile move to Chelsea and his return to London. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. In his seven-year career with Manchester City, England forward Raheem Sterling scored 131 times in his 339 appearances with the club. Last season, he netted 17 goals in all competitions, 13 in the Premier League, 3 in the Champions League, and 1 in the FA Cup. And in terms of hardware, Sterling won four Premier League titles and four League Cups with Man City and lifted the FA Cup trophy once. In 2021, he reached the Champions League final but lost, ironically, to Chelsea. And in July, Sterling's time on Man City's front line came to a close when he signed a five-year contract with Chelsea, a club the 27-year-old calls tailor-made. You know, at first, you know, with the few other options I had, it was more one that Taylor made for, you know, my personal goals, um, family. I think it, it makes a lot, lot of sense. And then, you know, of course, with the club, the direction the club's going in. And, you know, you look at Chelsea in the last couple of years, I think it's four or five finals that they've been in. Um, it's a team that shows that they're competing um, and they're only going to get better. So for me, you know, with the, the new ownership, and the takeover, it, it, it made a lot of sense. 
Sterling is the first signing under new Chelsea owner and American businessman Todd Bowley. The five-year deal is worth nearly 60 million U.S. dollars and makes Sterling the club's highest paid player. But Sterling insists money was not the reason he made the move to Chelsea. He simply wanted more time on the pitch. The move came about, you know, of course, like anything, as a person you always strive to you know, cheese stuff. Um, I just felt, you know, my time at City was getting um, limited on, on playing time um, for different reasons. And, you know, it's, it was not one that I could you know, afford to waste more time because, um, you know, when I look back in the future, I didn't ever wanted to look back and, you know, see a, a rising and a decline. So my thing was I need to, you know, keep that same level um, and a fresh challenge was, was to, to be made. I said, it's something that, um, since 17, I've 17, yeah, been regular starting, um, and then to get to the, I feel like a, a peak time in my career. Um, not to you know be playing as regular, but something that I, you know I wouldn't um, kind of accept, and you know I always try to always my personality is to try and fight and um, change the scenario, but it didn't, it couldn't, couldn't come, and that was it. Sterling has been a standout footballer since he was singled out for his skills on the pitch as an eight-year-old in northwest London. Just shy of his 11th birthday, he signed with London's Queen's Park Rangers Football Club and was scouted by the academies of Arsenal, Chelsea, Fulham, Liverpool, and Manchester City. He joined Liverpool's Football Academy at age 15 before making the switch to Manchester City in 2015. And now with his transfer to Chelsea, Sterling says his journey has come full circle. I feel like, you know, my my uh, my full journey um, going out to Liverpool, manifesting what I wanted, um, then going to City, living the dream and then now coming back to London as a, a grown adult and kind of been in in the football game a while and, you know, kind of feel like I've I've got my my head on my shoulders. I know exactly what I want from my life and football, so it's, I think it's the perfect time to, you know, have a new challenge ahead of me. And while Sterling says he'll miss his time in Manchester, he's happy to return home to London. Of course, with the time that I spent at City, um, it's with a lot of memories, it's a lot of memories, a lot of top moments. Um, but I say the year, the year and a year and a bit that I was kind of in and out of the team, it taught me a lot about myself. It made me. Um, you know, value um, a lot, a lot of things, and, and try to get things in order. And um, I said things, a lot of things happen for a reason. And you know, I, I kept with that mentality. And um, it was difficult, of course. Um, my kids go to school there. Um, my son now missing his friends. But again, it's those things in life that you know you have to make a decision that's best, best for, for yourself and of course for your, your family. Sterling reportedly dismissed interest from Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur to join Chelsea under manager Thomas Tuchel, himself a relative newcomer with the club. Since taking over at the start of 2021, Tuchel has guided Chelsea to Champions League and Club World Cup titles and led his side to FA Cup and League Cup finals. Chelsea are currently sixth in Premier League standings and have received a boost 
in firepower with the addition of Raheem Sterling on the pitch. Last weekend, Sterling scored his first two goals with Chelsea and was named man of the match after lifting the 10-man squad to their 2-1 victory against Leicester City at Stamford Bridge. The Blues are now set to face Southampton in their next Premier League match on Tuesday. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The Southampton versus Chelsea match is one of four Premier League fixtures on Tuesday evening. In the others, Crystal Palace will host Brentford. Fulham is at home against Brighton. And Leeds will play visiting Everton. Now, one of the big recent highlights was Liverpool equaling the biggest win in Premier League history with a 9-0 thrashing of visiting Bournemouth on Saturday. Colombian striker Luis Diaz and the Brazilian Roberto Firmino Each scored two goals. I guess you could say the Reds of Liverpool got a great South American connection. Liverpool's manager, Jurgen Klopp, says his team played an outstanding game. We really didn't hesitate. We didn't hold anything back. We just went into the game full flying and put them under pressure. Had the battles in the right areas, in the box, around the box, bodies in the box. Second ball situations go again and these kind of things. Jurgen Klopp says the Reds needed the victory after opening the season on a three-game winless streak. We had to prove a point for us. We were not happy with the way we played. We had good moments in nearly all the games where we showed um, things which we are strong at and other things where we have to improve and that what what we had to do today but it's not that you cannot make a list if we make a list of liverpool's upcoming matches the reds will host newcastle on wednesday evening and then liverpool makes a short trip to goodison park to play everton on saturday hello i'm carol castiel host of press conference usa voa's newsmaker interview program Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Carol Castiel VOA or on Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports. On the Voice of America, just ahead, the AP's Josh Roundtree takes a look at Monday's Major League Baseball action. 
in a battle of MVP candidates, Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge both went deep, but it was Otani's Angels that topped Judge's Yankees 4-3. Judge in the loss went deep for a 50th time this season as New York's AL East lead dropped to seven games. Oh, it, it's great, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of upset about the loss. You know, it was a close game that we could have won. You know, we had a couple opportunities, but... um, um no, we'll talk about how it feels once the season's over with. Currently in the playoff hunt, the Brewers rallied from two runs down in the eighth to beat Pittsburgh 7-5. Keston Hero with a two-run walk-off home run in the ninth. And I think, you know, when you're almost kind of chasing for something, you know, it, it definitely, you know, kind of lights a fire under your butt and um, that definitely wants you, uh, convinced you and, and persuades you to, to do a little bit extra. And in Arizona, the Diamondbacks rallied back from 7-0 down to beat the Phillies 13-7. It was a four-RBI game for Carson Kelly in the win. And in the NFL, the 49ers and quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo have reportedly agreed to a reduced contract to be the backup to Trey Lance this season. Garoppolo's pay will go from a $24.2 million base salary to a $6.5 million fully guaranteed base salary with bonuses and incentives available, according to those reports. I'm Josh Roundtree. Thanks, Josh. An update now on the Women's National Basketball Association playoffs. The Seattle Storm and the Connecticut Sun hold one game to none leads in their best of five semifinal series. The Storm edged the host, Las Vegas Aces, 76-73 to in Game 1 of their series. And the Sun shined brightly, beating the defending champion, Chicago Sky, as we hear now from the AP's Dave Ferry. The Sun went into Chicago and captured the opener of their semifinal series, 68-63 versus the Sky. Dewana Bonner had a team-high 15 points and grabbed nine boards. I'm going to keep being aggressive whether I make one shot or or, or, or 10, so uh, I think it's just opening up for my teammates. John Quell Jones chipped in 12 points, finished with nine rebounds, and scored the go-ahead basket with 145 left. Bonner added two free throws and a layup to close out the win for the Sun. Candace Parker finished with a game-high 19 points and 18 rebounds for the Sky, but she missed a potential tying three-pointer before Bonner iced the win with a layup. I'm Dave Ferry. And that wraps up the August 30th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. I get it. And that's the Sunny 